Hey guys, one quick note at the top of this episode, Arya Schwartz and I recorded this podcast on June 8th, but in the last 15 minutes of the pod, my Wi-Fi went out and we lost the last 15 minutes of the conversation. So we had to re-record it. And yeah, so if you, you're going to hear a little bit of a transition into what we, into that last part of the conversation, but thank you for being patient with us. I wish we could have had, got this up yesterday, but I was dealing with some health issues that I'm trying to figure out since last year. So thank you for being patient and for, and to some of you, for some of the really kind words and for being understanding. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So anyways, without further ado, here is me and Arie's conversation from a couple days ago. Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and today your other co-host, Chris Pennant, won't be able to make it on the pod today, but I am joined by the one and only REA Schwartz from Winsider.com. You also know him from the Winsider WNBA show, and he's honestly the best hot take generator I know. I've gotten to know REA through the Slack channel on Winsider, and I just enjoy his take so much. REA, thank you so much for joining me, man. How are you doing? It's an honor. I always enjoy uh, being on the other end of the, well, not, I'm still on the same end of the microphone, but like not being the host. There's a, I, listeners, a lot of stress goes on to being in the host. So be nice to your your local podcast host. Uh, I'm good. It's a balmy 98 degrees in DC and I, there's WNBA season is upon us. So it can't be better than that. It really can't, you know, I mean, I, I think that some people in Skytown would object to that so far. <laughs> with this Touché. two and seven start but um you know what let's just go right into it i mean i gotta state the obvious here things aren't going so well for the chicago sky right now and you know to be clear we are recording this on june 8th and candace parker is set to come back tomorrow night versus the fever so i'm totally prepared to eat my words <laughs> over this but Aria, let's just get into it like a two and seven start is just it's a two and seven start no matter how many caveats you want to attach to the situation and I know that there are a lot but this is not what Skytown envisioned when we went into you know the season opener on May 15th what is your level of concern with where this team is at with I think what 23 games left in the season like how are you feeling about them and do you think that they can turn the ship around all right, I'll say this. I'm extremely concerned. I'm not saying that in the sense of like, you know, bail out of the boat. Let's get going. This is over. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, end of the day, like this team needs to make the playoffs. Maybe the expectations move from being a top two seed in the playoffs to not getting that first round by or, or sorry, excuse me, not getting that double by maybe only getting a first round by. I think that's kind of where we're at now. If I'm a Chicago Sky fan, I have high expectations for this team. And as you spoke about, there's a lot of caveats. So I can easily convince myself to say, okay, maybe we won't be a top two team. We can be a three or four. Maybe we'll be five and six. I'm not even at the point of saying seven, eight for this team yet, but there are some key concerns, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I agree. I think that this team is actually not in the worst position. I do think that if you were to tell everyone that this guy would start off two and seven, that they would freak out a little bit they would not have expected that and a lot of people including myself I, I mean there are just moments where you think that this team should have taken care of business when 
when you know when they're in a position to really wrap up some of these games. And I was actually well, that's more well, yeah. I would just say, sorry to interrupt. Like no, that's the more it. concerning part, right? Like we going into this season, I think the biggest question I had was not is are you going to have a good coaching staff? Are you going to have a good roster? It was more so like the mentality of this team. And and I say that obviously as a person who's on the outside. For me on the outside looking at this team, my biggest question was this team has shifted and we saw it before the bubble season also. But this team under James Wade has shifted. And I just want to say this, and I know we'll get into this later, but like a lot of people have been throwing shade at James Wade and maybe I'm biased. I think he's a great coach just my opinion, whatever. All I'm going to say is like, before he came here, if you would have told me five years ago, hey, the Chicago Sky are going to be title contenders going into a season, I would have laughed at you. And, well, I wouldn't have actually laughed at you because I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> but, um, but like, I would have not taken you seriously. In fact, I remember um, Mr. Alter, the owner of the Chicago Sky, or one of the owners of the Chicago Sky, had a quote like, right around the time they brought James on as head coach saying something to the, to the effect of like, this is a championship contending team and we should be contending for championships. And I was like, what is this guy on? Like, do you look around the league? Do you know what's going on? And then James Wayne, ta- James Wade takes over and it very quickly, he was right, right. This team has now become that. So back to what I was originally saying, the mentality is okay. Now the targets on your back, James Wade, when he first got here, it was, you know, overachieving what people expected from this roster, getting a lot of value, you know, really squeezing those grapes dry. And now we're at the point where the Chicago Sky have have the, the mark on your back. How do they react to that? And they had it last year and we saw a strong like a, a, a quick start. Right. I believe I think maybe I'm wrong. They won the first couple of games out the jump last year, similar to this year. And then they had a little bit of a trip up. Obviously, the recurring theme also is injuries. Um, But I just think like now it's about this is a team that needs to find ways to win. I don't care who the injuries are because that's what championship teams do. So I think that expectation for this team is higher. And that's why maybe some people have hit the panic button maybe a little bit too early. I think you remove the casing of the button right now, but you're not pressing the button. I think those are all really good points. And honestly, bear with me with this, because maybe this is just going to sound completely delusional, which is totally in the realm of possibility. But mm-hmm. let's just look at the Sky season like it's a game of chess. Like with Candace Parker out, the Sky start off each game without their queen on the board and go into each contest starting off with kind of with a disadvantage, right? But like, even if you, I, I, again, just like with, just bear with me with this chess analogy, like even though you are no longer like you can no longer like utilize your best piece. If you are more experienced and more talented than you are, when the person you are like, then you're going up against, you can still win with the remaining pieces on the board. Like it's still possible. So to bring it back to basketball, like when you look at the sky and who they've played this season, it doesn't really make sense how they've fallen this far down the standings. Like if they were four and five, I think that would be a little bit more understandable. But when you, for them to just be a two and seven with a team that has Courtney Vanderstoot, Diamond Shields, Kalia Copper. I mean, you can just go down the list. I mean, I just think there was a little bit of a missed opportunity here for them to win some of these games that were clearly within their reach. And I think that they were just more talented than teams like the Sparks or the Atlanta Dream. And honestly, 
this team could very well be one and eight right now. The sky almost blew an 18 point lead against the dream in their second game of the season. And the offense completely fell apart. We haven't really seen it be that consistent since then. There have been some games, especially in the last like two out of the last three games, it looked like they have kind of found some rhythm outside that sparks game, but this team should be closer to four and five. I mean, again, you can point to the key and nurse shot if you want, I guess, but at the same time, don't let yourself get to that point where you are up late in the fourth quarter and then you blow the lead and let Key and Nurse get that shot off. You know, like that—that that to me is where, like two and seven, just still feels a little bit unacceptable. At that, I don't know if that's too harsh, but for how this team has played, I just—I um, don't know. I mean, do you think that's too harsh? Like, do you think that this team should be better than its two and seven start? Thousand percent. Like, like to, to what you were saying, right? When you have a more talented roster or, or however you want to specifically word it, the Chicago Sky team should have walked away with at least one victory versus the Mercury, two wins against the Sparks. Now, the Atlanta Dream, I'll actually, like, slightly disagree on that. And only because the Atlanta Dream are a team that I feel like are extremely athletic and guard-heavy. And... I don't, how do I say this in a respectful way? When I look at the Vanderquigs, it concerns me that matchup, right? Yes, the Chicago Sky have the athleticism of Kalia Copper, the athleticism of uh, Diamond of Shields, of a Stu. Like, all, they have so many players who are athletic. Obviously, the most are Copper and Diamond, right? Um, but when I look at this team and I think about it, like, I could see some uneven matchups for the Dream. And obviously, you have Cheyenne Parker. Uh, who I believe she wasn't part of those games, mm-hmm. but still like the team knows that connection. So they're trying to do it for their teammates. So they have a little bit more of a whatever, but so like dropping one to the dream out of two, I'm not freaking out about. Right. But to drop four games, both to the sparks and both to the mercury, that's where my concern comes from because and I don't mean offense to the Sparks, but there is no way that this a Chicago Sky team, a team that even without Candace Parker, and here's here's the one thing. The caveat with not having Candace Parker is that you don't have the other Parker. Everyone wants to talk about like, oh, well, this team was good last year and the year before, and it's essentially the same roster and blah, blah, blah. So Candace Parker missing isn't that big of a deal or Quigley missing isn't that big of a deal because you know now you have Copper playing better and Diamond. But the difference is, is it's not the exact same roster. And to bring in Candace Parker, a player had to go. And that other player was was Cheyenne Parker. And that's where they've seen a lot of weakness. And also, you know, uh, Azra Stevens coming back from an injury, yeah. you know, having some restrictions on her is a huge issue also. Like, I have not seen her look as comfortable as she did last season. Um so, yeah, no, sorry. That was a really long-winded answer, but I completely agree with you. I don't think, I do not think at all uh, that that is a ridiculous statement by you. So when I look at the Sparks, I got to give them, at least through nine games, I got to give them some credit. I mean, they do, I think they are tied with the Sky for actually having the best defensive rating in the WNBA right now. But at the same time, you look at how that offense works. Like, okay, they got hot. Like, Erica Wheeler got hot. That was fine. Like, uh, Zowie B. Um, also had a nice game against them recently. Um, but that's still a team that they should beat. And when you look at how this team carries itself, I think about someone like Diamond to Shields, who we'll get to in a sec. Like, 
you know what, let's just talk about it right now. Like during the stretch, one of the things that I was looking out for was how Diamond was going to step up with Candace Parker out. I felt like this was a moment for her to step into the superstar role and just showcase that she could be the best player on the floor night in and night out. And you know, to, you know what, to be fair too, we have seen moments from her where she looks like this, like the games versus the Liberty and Mercury. She was the best player on the sky and it was exciting to watch, but you know, what separates like all stars from superstars is, is consistency. And she hasn't quite shown that just yet, you know, like where she is, where she comes off scoring 26 points. And then the next game she, you know, can will the sky to victory. Like that's something that the, I was kind of looking out for being like, okay, CP is down. One of the things that, that stood out to me in the media availability had a good media day, I should say, um, a few weeks back was her saying, I look forward to returning to being the best player on the floor. And again, while we've seen flashes of that, we haven't necessarily seen that consistently to the point where, I mean, it, 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 that does kind of worry me a little bit for her. I know that she kind of had a little bit of a red shirt season last year, if you want to call it that. And this is kind of her, if she stays healthy, will be her third full season, but that was one of the sneaky storylines during this candace period where you th- like if, if Diamond was going to rise to that level, like we would see it when the sky needed her most, and we didn't quite see that. Um, so I'll just throw this back to you. I mean, do you think Chicago needs more out of Diamond, and do you think that she can get to the point this season where she's just scoring a little bit more efficiently and providing a little bit more, um, like being able to shoulder the load just a little bit more than she has so far? Well, I, I would say, first of all, to your point before we got into Diamond, you were talking about the Sparks and their ability to get mm-hmm. some wins. I just want to point out the Sparks wins have come against the Indiana Fever yeah. and the Chicago Sky. So, like, I have a huge asterisk against them. Like, where I'm, they are still, like, I believe, on, yeah, I think I, well, no, sorry. I'm not going to say who I put as the, uh, the number 11 team in the power ranking, <laughs> but soon after them were the uh the LA Sparks because like yeah they're just they're they're showing up against teams that are struggling and they're not even showing up that amazing obviously that one game against the fever uh was just domination but whatever get to that later to diamond to shields a really interesting topic um you know i i keep i want to always be respectful of the players but she is struggling mightily you look at like we looked at the 2020 season i feel like and we obviously, there is asterisks next to her season. I get that. I'm not coming against that. What I'm saying is when you look at the stats, right, her field goal percentage, maybe not the three-point percentage, um, but just her, her efficiency, her field goal percentage just worries me so much, right? Like she is having the worst in her career, right? She's shooting 36.3% 2019 a season that everyone considered right. That she was really taking off. I think diamonds also the type of player who we have unfair expectations. Athletically, she is insanely gifted and is one of the most athletic players in the league. No question. She has all the talent and all the skills to be that go-to, like she said, best player on the court. We haven't seen that growth from a star level to a superstar level. And that's what's concerning for me because it, like you said, it's consistency and that's fine. Like 
in the world of sports, how many superstars truly are there, right? Like, mm-hmm. not a lot. Not everyone's going to get to that level. And there's so many players who, when they come into the league and they have a few couple games that are really good, we look at them and we go, that's going to be a superstar level player. Not everyone can get to that level. That's just not realistic. Am I disappointed in how she's played? Yes. And and I, I think I've been on record on air earlier in the season talking about this, where it was like, her shot isn't even off or all right, correction. Her shot is off, but her shot is off in such a minuscule way. Like mm-hmm. she's hitting the, the, the rim in the back, right? She's overshooting her shot just a little bit. And then she adjusts it and she's undershooting it just a little bit. Like I've lost, it's not like it's bad shots. Right. And it's like, when I look at her game, I look at it and I go, okay, they have to start falling eventually. Right. And then they just haven't this season. And Honestly, yeah, it, it's been frustrating. I will say there is a bright spot. Bright spot. She's shooting her best percentage from the three-point line. Yeah. Um, her free throw percentage is up big time. So I like that because free throw percentage, to me, talks a lot about mentality. And when it comes to consistency, so much of that is the, uh, is is the I forget, Rachel, Rachel Galligan always has this, like, I, I forget the term, but, like, the six inches between your head or your eyes or... <laughs> ears or whatever whatever the line is like that's the biggest question for me and i don't want anyone to take this out of context and say like oh aria questions her whatever no i'm what i'm saying is like consistency is that like dead focus ability like when you watch elena deladon one of the greatest free throw shooters of all time shoot her free throw you could like hit her in the face with a water balloon and she wouldn't notice she's so <laughs> focused on that and that's the type of focus that you need to see throughout to create consistency. Um, and we just haven't seen it. Also, uh, you know, her fouls are up, her turnovers are up. Those are things that are concerning me because if the shot's not falling and you're not playing smart basketball, that can really be a snowball effect. How much can you attribute that though to her? And I said this on in our last podcast a few weeks back that she just hasn't played that much meaningful basketball since I mean I I struggle to say that like what she did last year really counts like I really do think that when we look at like her playing healthy being able to utilize her athleticism which is an enormous part of her game like right now she's shooting 38.1 percent around the basket that just needs to go up that is a that is below league average according to synergy I think about her just playing meaningful basketball she's not going overseas you know she's someone that just took the off season to get stronger. Not going to lie. Those boxing videos she had, had me hyped. Um, but she didn't play that much basketball. Now we're just nine games in where you're right. Her efficiency is down. She's turning the ball over a little bit more. Um, she is getting the free throw line. I do want to give her credit for that. That is something that that was going to be the next level for her and being able to get to the line more consistently. I mean, she had her second most, free throw attempts in in her career against the Mercury, I believe, where she got to the line 11 times. Not a lot of players can do that in this league. So I do want to give her credit for that, but you're right. The shot is what's missing and her, she needs to be able to figure out in the half court, how she's going to really beat, beat players off the dribble. Like what moves she's going to be able to, to just like get to the basket and finish strong because that, again, that is something that's kind of stood out along with the, the shooting woes, but how much can you, attribute her again just in this nine game sample size that we have to her really not being able to be at full strength 
playing basketball. We haven't seen her in that state since 2019 against the aces. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of part of the problem, right? It's that I'm, I'm trying to remember who I spoke to somebody on, on the team about this, but like so much expectations were put on her from that playoff series. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry. Those playoff games. Uh, Cause what it was two games, right? Um, like, I don't know if we can do that because here's the thing. When you talk to coaches, GMs and players, you don't want to peak too early. It's something mm-hmm. that they talk about a lot. And that was something that Dan Hughes, uh, I, I spoke with him during the off season. And that was something that he very much spoke on where it's like, you don't want to be the best team on day one. If that is going to be your ceiling, right? You want to slowly progress and grow and grow and grow. So you're playing your best basketball. Cause realistically you're not going to play your best basketball for all 30 odd games of the season. And you know, the more games in the playoffs, that's just not realistic. So you want to slowly ramp it up to a point where towards the end of the season, right. And, and to be clear, I don't want anyone to take this out of context and say like, yeah. Oh, Arya is saying, you know, the Chicago sky can be horrible or a player can be horrible. And then blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Like, you want to have like a bottom level that isn't too bad, but you really want to hit your peak when it matters most. So that's the other aspect that I, I kind of always need to remind myself to calm myself down. But also when you look at Diamond Shields and that season of 2019 that we often refer to of like, she kind of set the bar, right? Like if you're climbing up a, a flight of stairs, then you hit that plateau and then you continue up the stairs. So The assumption is once you hit that plateau, you're not going down the stairs past that plateau again. I think that can be naive when it's a short playoff spurt, right? Mm -hmm. What we can take away from that is, okay, this player who all of us had these superstar expectations showed a, a light, showed a shimmer of that superstar ability. And maybe it was more than a shimmer. Maybe it was a bonfire, whatever you want to call it. But now we can't necessarily say, like it's that give and take, right, of, We can't necessarily now say that's what we expect from her, but we also, and I think this is where us media members need to kind of check ourselves. We also can't just let her off the hook. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's a weird give and take. How, how concerned are you? You know, the sky better than anyone. You know, she's someone that, and I have no shame in admitting this. She's one of the hardest players I've ever had to cover, like from high school hoops to the WNBA. I mean, I can't state how much I, I have so much admiration for her, not just because of, like what she does on the court, but like she's important to Chicago basketball. She's a very thoughtful person at the age of 25. She makes it really hard on me to give her like the best objective opinion necessarily. But at like the reason I, I, anytime I watch her play and she has a game again, like against Phoenix where she, again, she gets to the free throw line 11 times. She scores 26 points. She comes up with a, a few big steals at the end of the game. You see that and you just see, think like, oh my God, if this person could just put it together consistently, that that person should be a top seven player in the WNBA. Like it, there's the way that she impacted the game. She was the X factor. She was the catalyst. She was someone that when she steps on the court, she is the difference between the sky winning the game and completely losing it. And when you look at the game before that, or, or the game against Phoenix on, on uh, what was it? June 1st, where they lose that heartbreaking loss. They have that heartbreaking loss against, uh, you know, with Kia nurse hitting that half court shot, a Euro step half court shot that still blows my mind. Um, 
the thing that bothered me the next game was that she only took seven shots. Like mm-hmm. when you have a game, a soul crushing game like that, you have one day to recover from it, be, get back in the right mindset and then go after it the next day. Instead of having a four point performance where she goes two for seven from the field in 34 minutes and she only took seven shots like that to me, like there, look, I am never going like mental health is such a thing that I don't even want to touch. I never will. I, the thing that I don't know what these players are going through. What's so difficult about these press conferences through zoom is that you get two questions and then that's, you're building an entire relationship based off two questions per press conference. And that is crazy to me. Like I understand why there could even be resentment towards the media because of that. Like, I wonder sometimes like if, if she gets too down on herself, if, early on in the game, like she's not shooting that well. Like there are times when she runs back with her head down and I think, no diamond, you don't know. Like you're so talented. You shouldn't be doubting your abilities because when you're as good as her, the mental game can just stop you from taking that next step. And that's where my concerns kind of are like, Hey, don't get too down. Like there's a couple examples that I'm not going to use on the MNBA side where once those players are able to figure it out, it's like, Oh yeah. Now we're talking like them that they're, the max player and we understand why they got the contract that they did. I I think that diamond, she has it. I'm like, I'm just, she's going to be one of those players that I can't give up on because over the last three seasons, since 2018, when I started covering this team, I've just been blown away by what she's been able to do. And there are just moments where you're like, how can this player not be a superstar? And at least again, it doesn't have to be every night necessarily for this season, for this guy to be successful and her to take a next step. But I do wonder sometimes, like, okay, what's going on? Like, how do you can you score 26 points and, like, again, have the mentality to put the team on your shoulders and take 18 shots in 33 minutes? And then the next game, you're, you're only taking seven shots. Like, that's that, to me, is the concerning part. And well, I think I, that, I would, yeah. Well, wait a second. I would even, like, if you look at the, the game breakdowns, right? She's had, what, three games? Yeah, three games that she hasn't scored in double digits, okay? That's the first game against Washington. That's against the Sparks, uh, the second game against the Sparks, and then the second game against Phoenix. And so obviously, let's forget about the Washington game. But when you look at the Sparks' second game, right? The first game, she drops 14 points. Yes, she had five fouls, four turnovers, and she shoots three for seven, right? But she gets to the free throw line. The next game, she shoots three for 15. So obviously the, 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 the shot isn't falling, right? And that's something that we've been talking about. But what I like about that game, even though they lose it, is if you look at her stat line, four total rebounds, five assists, mm-hmm. three steals, two blocks. She's getting active in other ways. Granted, she had five turnovers, which I think often come from a player who's, ex- who's more used to hitting the shots and then starts to struggle. Sometimes you try and force it a little bit you know, maybe you t- should have taken another shot and you didn't, what, whatever it was. Um, and then you flip it over to the Phoenix game, right? She drops 26, seven of 18 shooting. The next game, she goes two for seven. So she shot as many times as she made the game before. Okay, she doesn't get to the free throw line at all. But if you look at her stat line, it's one rebound, two assists, one steal, zero blocks. So that's what it is to me. That's, that's the mental aspect that I kept hearing you talk about that what I want to see from a player if you're going to be that superstar, superstars miss shots. Stars, mm-hmm. everyone miss, misses shots, right? Everyone has an off day. But you need to put your effort in a different place and say, okay, you know what? My shot ain't dropping today. 
That just means maybe I'm not even going to get the assists, but that means on the defensive side or every 50, 50 ball that comes near me, I'm getting it. Like I'm going to find a way to impact the game in a different way. That's what great players do. And that's what you need to see is that consistency. So I agree with you, you know, yeah, it can be super tough mentally, physically, all of the above to play a game, have an off day, play another game, especially against the same team. Yeah. Um, it can be extremely tough, but I definitely, definitely think that we need to see that growth where, and, and this isn't a knock to diamond. This is a knock to anybody who doesn't have that mentality of if this one aspect of my game isn't working, I'm going to find a different aspect of my game that even if, you know, I'm a little bit off balance today. Even if I'm not playing my best game, I can find a way to positively impact the game for my team. And that's the biggest question. But I'm curious for you, like Mm -hmm. Diamond gets a lot of headlines. I don't think she's the only player that's been struggling this season. Like in all honesty, and I know like before we talked, like I said, I wanted to talk about this. So uh, please feel free to cut me off about this because I know we have other things on uh, on the show notes. But like for sure, I just feel that the two people who have gotten the brunt of the blame for this start has been James Wade and Diamond Shields. And honestly, I have a lot of bones to pick with that. First of all, I respect James Wade. He's one of the top coaches in the league in my mind. Um, like I said before, maybe I'm a little biased. I, I really appreciated. I forget which game it was in a post-game press conference. He took blame saying, hey, we played great for like basically the whole game. The last 30 seconds, I lost my energy and I wasn't leading my team. And that's and I take the blame for this loss. I respect that. I love that. When I look at what's going on, you know, just across the board with some of the players that we kind of expect to be, you know, putting up certain numbers, certain stats, honestly, call me crazy. Call like whatever it is you want to say. Courtney Vandersloot has struggled this year. Yeah. She's shooting her worst field goal percentage of her career, right? Not, not by a ton, but it's noticeable. Um, she's noticeably down on assists per game. She's noticeably up on turnovers per game and personal fouls. So for me is it, it starts at the top down. So yeah, we, th- I'm not saying James Wade gets a clear pass, right? Like I, I'd have to look because I think a lot of times when it comes to coaching, it's a combination of plays. You call out of timeouts, motivating the team and rotations. And I would say generally motivating the team. He's done a good job. Maybe minus that one thing plays out of timeouts. I'd have to look. Um, and I'm now blanking on the third thing. That I no. said. <laughs> but, but I think it, bo- yeah. it truly just boils down to like, these players aren't playing up to the level that they have shown us they can play at. And that's not even a diamond to shields esque thing where we're like, we want her to be a superstar, but she's just playing as a star. Like, these players across the board on this roster, like it, it all right, let, let's make this a positive. Is there a player on, the, or it might just be a negative. Uh, is there a player on this roster that you feels like overproducing or is living up to expectation? Yes, definitely. And that's Ruthie Hebert. I think. That oh the, yes. Good call. Yeah, you know, Ruthie has really taken a jump where, I mean, when we talk about the criticism that James Wade has had as a GM in terms of, selecting draft picks i understand some of it for sure i mean the katie lou samuelson pick is a head scratcher even though i'm still a katie lou truther or or luther whatever you want to call it i um 
Ruthie Hebert has been fantastic. And we people, I hate when people say we don't talk about X enough, but what she's been doing this season has been pretty comparable to what Jantel Lavender did for that team in 2019. Like Ruthie's mm-hmm. had multiple like double doubles. I think that, um, oh, sorry, that was uh, someone trying to get up to my house. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's, it, it's the team, Colin. They're, they're coming <laughs> in. They want, they, they want to dispute some of our claims. Oh my God, Diamond just found out what I just said in the last segment. Um, no, but the uh, Ruthie Hebert has really taken a really nice step up from, you know, like they really needed her this season. You know, like a stew has been up and down as well. Um, you're right. I do. Th- the one thing I want to talk about, though, in terms of Courtney Vandersloot. So you're right. She, I think she's, I think she's tied for second right now in turnovers per game in the WNBA with like four point one one. Yeah, four point one. Yeah. Um, and while that is troubling, I do think some of that has to do with her teammates not necessarily getting to the right spots or just moving off ball as much as they should. I that to me, like I do think the the off ball movement has just not been for there for the sky. Like someone like Cheyenne Parker and Steph Dolson, like I think about their roles on the team and they're in previous years, they were the, the energizer bunny that the sky just fed off that energy on the court and the sky don't really have that player this year. You know, I thought it was Kalia Copper initially where you saw the show that her and Candace Parker put on in transition in the first game. You were like, okay, yeah, no, Kalia Copper is going to be, you know, she's not going to be the soul of this team because I do think that is Courtney and Candace Parker. But what Kalia Copper was doing, like when the way that she's able to get out in the fast break, like that to me, I thought that that was going to really, like the energy of this team was just going to be up throughout the entire season. And we haven't seen it. So I do agree with you. There's not a lot of players outside of Ruthie where I can point to and be like, you know what, that person is overachieving or hitting the, the mark in which I think that like they're playing to the standard that I think that they should. And um, I agree with you. This is not about James Wade. It really is not about James Wade. And um, I mean, the one part that we can talk about, we can just kind of lump this into what, like what you brought up. And uh, the next thing that I kind of want to talk about was the Shiloh heel debacle if you want to call it that oh, um, it was a debacle it was a debacle yeah we, can, we can call it that <laughs> and the part that i struggle with when people criticizing with james wade that i don't think is talked about enough again sorry to use that phrase but i i don't know how you could watch the 31 minutes that shyla heel played this season and come away thinking why on earth did james wade trade her you know or like why like or like um i'm not just like i'm not i really am not trying to be an asshole right now but like when you look at what her and stephanie watts produced they were not going to be the short-term solution and there are a lot of head coaches and gms in this league or in sports that would instead of having to face the public backlash of a move like that getting rid of your first round pick after hyping her up and saying that she was going to be not only someone that could like really take over 10 minutes a game behind Courtney Vandersloot and give her some much needed rest, but also just kind of view her as the future. I don't know how many people would again, realize that this team needed to win now needed a veteran point guard and then just, and then jettison Chyla heel knowing how much again, backlash that he was going to face for that move. The sky need to maximize their two-year window and for them to, and for James Wade, I actually thought it was a really solid move to get rid of Shiley Heel. No, and because the team really, again, she looked lost out there. Teams were targeting her on defense. And I actually don't think he gets enough credit for 
that move necessarily because the team is going to be better now having, well, hopefully Lexi Brown will be back soon after all the gymnastics that James Wade has had to pull, um, trying to figure out how to keep this roster that more than eight players on it each game. But um, when you, it is, it really is. And I, like, I don't think that you can point to James Wade and be like, you know, he's the problem for why the sky are in the position that they're in because Honestly, I'm, I said this before, what was it, in the offseason when we did a podcast that the Sky need a, a veteran point guard. They should not be looking to this in the draft. It would be a mistake to put that in the hands of a 22-year-old. And instead, they put it in, in the hands of a 19-year-old. So, like, I get the criticism with that, and I do think that he does deserve some criticism with that. But if we're going to pretend and say that, oh, if James Wade had figured out, um, had done this and had done that, like, what like what are we talking about right now like this guy is someone is the reason why Candace Parker is on this roster and like you were saying before the show he was one of the reasons that Vander Quiggs took a team-friendly deal like um and to make it work for this team and yeah the, the James Wade discourse has just gone all over the place so I'm totally in agreement with you when you say that people are overreacting to this I mean one of the things that I would ask would be like, is there a better coach out there that you would put out, put in this situation and this guy would be better? Because when you look at the on-court product and what they've been able to do this season, I don't think any coach could be able to salvage what has happened this year for them. Well, I, let, let's put it this simply. Like, Kalia Copper's field goal percentage is down, right? Courtney Vandersloot, we talked about. Diamond is Shield, something that I, that I, I didn't get to. Uh, when we were talking about her before is her career average is 13.9. That's keeping in mind the drop down that she obviously got from a 6.8 season in 13 games last year. So like if, if we ignore this year, we ignore last year, she's averaging around 15 or a little bit above 15 points per game. So she's below that. So maybe it's not horrible, but like all these things add up when, when all of, when the majority of the players on your team are underperforming, even if it's just an inch, it slowly, slowly starts to add up. Now, if you want to talk about Shiloh Hill, like let's get into this. Let's be realistic. Do I like the draft pick? Yes. Do I agree with your take um, on the, you know, the complicated issues of a GM slash coach being able to pull the cord uh, that quickly. It's complicated. It's hard. Like, it's not that easy at the end of the day. Mate, like, I think the, the question's always been posed to me of like, you know, did he realize he was wrong on that draft pick? I think it's very different because realistically, they if they didn't have all the injuries and then having to use their their very small amount of salary cap, and this is going to get into like, I'm not going to get too deep into the numbers, mm-hmm. but just it's a basis of they had injuries, so they had to sign other people for hardships. Those contracts still are money that affects your salary cap. It's not just like the salary cap disappears once the season starts. Right. Once they had those issues, they were not in a situation with Watts and with Shyla where they could do that, where they could bring on a vet and they needed a vet. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people are going to go, well, you could have had Gabby. Well, first of all, Gabby made it clear from my understanding that she wanted out. If she wants out, what's coach going to do? Coach is going to keep her whatever. No, it's coach's job to get what he can in return for a player. If a player's made it clear that they don't want to play for you. Right. Or they want to play somewhere else. Fine. So like, you make that move. And now look at the end of the day, 
kind of just to echo what you're saying in just some other in different words, like at the end of the day, it's a really hard move. And I actually, I agree with you. I compliment James Wade for making the move that probably he was well aware. Okay. If I make this move, I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of crap. I'm going to take all the heat for this because I made these picks. This is what I did. But at the end of the day, she was not ready to do it. And this isn't the NBA. This isn't other professional leagues. And it wasn't a situation where they could tell her, oh, we're going to, you know, like send you off and and you'll still be on. like the, We're not talking about um, Iguapova, who the L.A. Sparks. She's if you don't know who she is, you should look her up. Uh, Eilina Iguapova. She is an amazing basketball player. She has never come over to the W. She, she was picked up um, and has like, ne- like she's all her rights have always been designated. I believe always to the sparks, um, but she's never come over and played. This isn't a situation where they could t- tell heel. Hey, go back over, come over when you're a little bit older, a little bit more ready. This team was made is making and was making going into the season, a push to make to the run for the finals. So if they're in that situation and they go, and I think a lot of people, I think I spoke about this in that, in a Winsider show episode with Rachel, where it's like, a lot of people are going to sit here and go based on the timing. This is the Chicago sky pulling the parachute and trying to stop the fall. I think that some of these thoughts and some of these moves were already well thought of before they hit the number six, the number seven, or possibly even the number five loss in this seven game losing streak. Um, so I think it was a situation of he had to pull the shoot, right? Like he had to do that move. What's the other option? They're not able to sign a vet point guard. And realistically, that's the only thing that's going to stop the bleeding at this point, right? Like going into the season, I think you and I talked about this on air, off air, whatever it was like going into the season. The biggest question was what can this team do when Courtney Vandersloot is not on the court? Can they get somebody to keep them afloat versus all of a sudden the ship starts to sink every, every, you know, two minutes that, that she goes to the bench. That, that's not going to win you a championship. And they had to find a way uh, to have a, a serviceable replacement. Agreed. And I actually think that Shiloh Heal is going to be a good WNBA player someday. Like there's not many players Agreed. that could go <laughs> who are 19 that are going to be successful right away i think that's an unrealistic unrealistic expectation and you could really feel how much the sky have needed that backup point guard even even this season like the advanced numbers are a little bit misleading with it but like you know cordy vandersloot has had to play a career high 33 minutes per game and that is because they still haven't solved that issue finding that person in the backcourt but all i can say is that when you watch that team when shyla and stephanie watts were out there they were a worse team. They were a team that looked that didn't look like it could compete at a high level. And that is not indicative of what they are going to be, what they could potentially be in their WNBA careers. I'm not trying to be a dick and say that like they are, they, their futures are hopeless, but to ask that much from a rookie to step in right away and again, have it be this seamless transition. That is really difficult. Even if she did have a training camp, even if she did, play yeah, we didn't even two. we didn't even get to training like she wasn't there for training camp you're talking about a player who's never yeah. played with any of these players before going into the hardest league in the world like that's not a knock towards the australian basketball league which i always jumble up the initials um that's not <laughs> a knock to it and 
to, to back to what I said before, like I'm sure if James Wade had the option of saying, Hey, we're going to stash you. Like we, we saw this, it's not going to work out right now. It, we, it just can't because of the situation that we're in. We want to stash you. That's not a possibility realistically to happen after you got to see what she could do. And so it was just a snowball effect of like one bad thing happened. She wasn't able to make it a training camp and whatnot. And then it started to snowball into a worse situation and his hands were tied. Honestly, like you said something about like, could James Wade, if you replace James Wade with a different coach, could they, would they have been in a better situation? Probably not. If you replace heel with a different player, would they have been in a better situation? If you replace her with a vet, probably. So like it's, it's as not simplistic of an equation as this is, it's a simplistic equation. (laughs) So Technology failed REA and I yesterday, so we are recording this the day after. So right now we're recording 18 minutes before the Sky take the court versus the Liberty, or not the, not the Liberty, against the Fever. And I can report, this is so fun, that Candace Parker will be playing around 20 minutes tonight. REA, let's wrap this up the way that we were, you know, heading towards last time. I'm curious... In order for the sky to get things back on track, do you think it is as simple as just adding Candace Parker back? Or is there something that sticks out to you where you think that this is something that they, like there's something specifically that you think they need to do in order to solve most of their problems? Um, again, this is what's now 17 minutes before we um, before the sky play the fever and maybe Candace Parker does a lot in 20 minutes that completely makes us look foolish. But Hey, I'm curious what you have to uh, say about this because um, I know that there's a lot of people that are split on this. So I, I think it, they're in a lucky situation where not only are they getting back their best player, but they're also going up against the worst team in the league. So I think it's going to be like a perfect storm for this team. Um, pun intended because the storm won the championship last year. Um <laughs> I, I, I truly think that it, it won't be as easy as just plugging Candace Parker back in. But what I do think is when you plug, Can- like plugging her in won't make them go from being a bottom dwelling team that they are right now to all of a sudden, you know, being up there with the sun, with the storm and with the aces, if you have the aces up there, um, as I've seen some power rankings do. But it will be good enough to stop the bleeding and start getting some wins. And what I've seen from this team, and and we talked about it earlier in this episode, or I guess earlier yesterday, but it will be in one episode, um, is the the progression through a season. Their whole progression has been completely thrown off its axis. And bringing back Candace Parker can put them back on the path, right? Where, okay. We've already gotten, we've had our worst basketball behind us. Now let's continue to grow. You don't win a championship in one game. You're not going to get to 500 in one game. It's going to be a slow process and they need to approach it in that sense of yes. But the bigger question is not Candace Parker in all honesty is the other players around as we spoke about. It's not like the coach is completely failing them. It's not like one player is completely failing them and, and, or, you know, there's this one issue. It's an overall team issue. It's players not hitting their expected stats, right? It's players not, you know, playing defensively as they should. Um, 
I think I saw you tweet out that James Wade spoke about how maybe they've gotten a little bit too complicated too Mm -hmm. early on in the season. And he threw out like 60% of the playbook. That's really cool and all, but I think the, the cooler aspect is you can throw out the playbook. You still have those plays when it comes to last, the last second shots, right? What are they calling the WNBA now? The buzzer beater league, the (laughs) women's professional buzzer beater league or something like that. Shout out to Jasmine Brown. Um, I think it, it, it truly, there's a long-winded answer, but it truly is going to be Candace Parker comes back. There's going to be accountability, right, that maybe wasn't there before, even though she was at a lot of these games. But there's going to be the accountability of having her on the court and her looking at you and you playing next to her and knowing that she's a WNBA great. There's an era, there's an aura, a, a vibe that greatness gives off, a stench that greatness gives off. And Candace Parker is greatness. And I think we're going to see the players on this team sniff that stench, feel that vibe, and vibe off it. I agree. I actually think the biggest thing that's going to help them out in this respect is the half-court offense because Candace Parker is not going to let this team be stagnant on that end of the floor. And, yes, James Wade threw out 6% of the playbook and he's trying to make things more simple that 100% makes sense. But I do think that having Candace Parker back is going to help this offense, like this half-court offense that has really, really struggled. I think we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but, you know, the, I, the Sky have been traditionally been a really good half-court offense under James Wade. And for them to be last in the league in points per possession in the half-court, I just have a really hard time imagining that that's something that is going to continue to be a trend for this team. Um I don't think Candace Parker necessarily like fixes the turnover problem where again, this is, I think the sky have had the second most turnovers in the league since 2019 as well. So this is just something that is in their DNA a little bit that they're eventually you're going to need to fix, but having Candace Parker back as a secondary facilitator alongside Courtney Vandersloot, I think is going to, you know, I don't think that when we come down to some of those plays earlier in the game that really, decide what happens at the end of them that is the difference of having a Candace Parker and someone who can like you just said have this team breathe a little bit when things start to get a little bit hectic I think they have panicked a little bit I think again I don't want to you know put too much on diamond to shield but I think about that play with the Kia nurse like the play before Kia nurse hit that insane shot where I think diamond didn't know that the shot clock had reset and she instead of like taking like 11 seconds or whatever it was to just let the clock go down, she took a quick shot and, you know, hit, um, gave the Mercury a chance to get back into it. And they did, you know, like it was a kind of a miracle shot. And again, we, we wouldn't even be talking about this, that play if, you know, Kia Nurse doesn't hit that shot. But I think about having someone, like instead of having Candace off to the sideline with her mask on being away from the play, before the play, you know, that's something that a veteran does is just make sure everybody is all on the same page. And totally, I think that that is incredibly valuable, especially when you head back into the season where, you know, they have a chance to really get back in the standings. I mean, right now they're five and a half games back from first place. I don't think they're going to be a first place team by any means, but they don't play the Storm, Mercury, or um, or the Aces until – August, you know, like they have, they, and most of those games like against the top three teams in the league are coming in September, you know, they have some time to actually regroup a little bit and find that rhythm that they didn't get 
in the first seven games or the last seven games of the, of uh, this stretch, you know, like I think that they have some time to just really find the rhythm. And that's why this team has been so calm during this time where they're not hitting the panic button. That's kind of, I think that does show maturity, whether you like it or not, if that makes sense. Well, I think also they're smart enough to know that like, and I think I touched on this before, but honestly, I don't remember, but let's put it this way. You know, I, I know I touched on them. Maybe the expectations is no longer a top two seed, but when you think about it, realistically, eight out of 12 teams make the playoffs. Right. And often with the new playoff or it's not even the new playoff format anymore with this playoff format, we've seen that the top two teams have a huge advantage and often end up winning it all. I I get that. Um, But I do think that if you're a smart vet in this league, you're aware of the fact that it's, it's not, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. It's not hard to make the, the playoffs, right? Majority of the teams in the league make the playoffs. You have to be one of the four worst teams in the league to not make the playoffs. So I think it's easy for this team to sit here and go, look, we're playing horribly, but are we out of playoff contention? No. And if we're not out of playoff contention, then there's no reason to have our head down. And there's no reason, you know, to, to throw in the towel, whatever it is. Like at the end of the day, this team, whether or not they're seated as a top team, and this is the positive look that you have to think about, whether or not they're seated as a top two team, if they are playing as a top two team in the league, it doesn't matter who they play in the first round of the playoffs. It doesn't matter who they play in the second round of the playoffs. It's getting to the series, and that's where it's going to be. So, it, you know, is that kind of crazy of me to say well, the way we sit currently right now? Maybe. But, you know, it's a seven-game losing streak. But after tonight, after, you know, from nine minutes from now as we're talking, you know, maybe that is now a one-game winning streak. And at the end of the day, it's about making the playoffs, playing your best basketball when it, when it matters most. A hundred percent. And if you, you got to think about the seven-game losing streak with, the, like with some context, you got to add the context, you know, where they lost, what, four of those games by five or less points the way that us talking heads discuss this team can just dramatically change with just a couple more wins. You know, like if it, I don't think people are going crazy about the sky and like, Oh, are they, is, are they actually a contender or a pretender if they're at four and five without Candace Parker? I do think that the conversation does change a little bit. That doesn't mean we can make excuses for this team because again, like we've talked about earlier yesterday, just you can't make excuses. They, have the pieces to win, especially against some of these other teams. Like I, they should be in a better position, but that doesn't mean they can't crawl back out of the hole. And, you know, I, I tweeted out something a couple of days ago where I said only, I think the worst start for a WNBA finals winner through nine games was five and four. I, you know, there's always room for firsts for one thing, obviously, but at the same time, it's like, I think I look at this team, if they just peak at the right time, if they can get Azure Stevens to be able to play 30 minutes a game, even if they don't need her for that much time, and they probably won't just given how much time, like how great Ruthie Hebert has looked um, with a Stu do eventually going to be coming back and Steph Dolson now back in the fold. When they're just able to get fully healthy and just, you think about some of the other pieces that a lot of people don't talk about. I just think this team is in a, like in a better position than what it looks like right now. And again, like let's just say that first and second place are not within reach. 
three and a half games to get back to fourth place. I mean, come on now. I mean, this is, we're talking about a team that like could just easily go on a run right now. Again, not having to face some of the tougher teams in the league until later down the road. So if they, if it, all it takes is to eliminate 6% of the playbook from James Wade in his mind to just like make things simpler, get back on track and then really, um, you know, who knows what can happen in September is all I'm going to say about it. But um, REA, thank you so, so much for joining me on the pod. Again, technology continues to fail me and Chris, so <laughs> I appreciate it. But do you have any other thoughts that you want to put out there before we wrap all this up? No, not at all. I'm, I'm excited for, for the rest of the season for the Chicago Sky team because they have more than enough pinboard material or, or whatever the phrase <laughs> is. And this team, again, like, say whatever you want. I don't think anybody's sitting here and going, the Chicago Sky are not making the playoffs. The Chicago Sky are a bad team. They are playing bad, and there's a really big difference to that. Um, and I'm excited to see what the rest holds in store, especially because a lot of people's expectations are low. And when expectations are low, you know, athletes love to use that and get it going, you know? So, like, hey. This is uh, this is gonna be a fun rest of the season for the for the Sky Town. Absolutely, I think that it's gonna be really interesting to see how it plays out. And um, yeah, we'll have to have you back on at some point where you, me, and Chris can all talk about this team. And hopefully, it'll be with a more positive tune. But until then, please catch REA on the Winsider WNBA show. I believe you guys just released some a new episode today. Am I correct? Literally finished recording, published it, and hopped on this episode. With you. <laughs> uh, we talk about players who are standing out, you know, players who maybe haven't gotten, maybe have gotten enough attention, or maybe expectations were low and they're exceeding expectations uh, so far this this episode. Sneak peek, I call myself out for being wrong on a lot of takes. Hey, you know what? You're better than most people when it comes to that because a lot of people just hide behind it and, uh, no, you got to hold yourself accountable. That's why I respect you so much and why your show is so great. And, um, but yeah, definitely catch that show. Um, you can find it everywhere. Um, and, you know, also support Winsider. I think we can agree on that, REA, right? I think we definitely can agree on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, man, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking soon. We will. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Skyhookin. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. And if you could take the time to rate and review our podcasts, we're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you could give us a rate, give us a review, we would really appreciate it. And yeah, you know, we really thank you for our, your support. And if you yeah, have, you ever have any episode ideas, you ever, honestly, if you ever want to hop on the pod, we're always open to having fans on. So really thank you so much for listening in until next time.